It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, December 22nd, and this is your KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Joyce Miller returns on Tuesday. The effects of Tuesday's 6.4 magnitude earthquake along California's north coast continue to be assessed and aided as the week continues. The California Report gives us additional insight coming up. After a brief look at today's regional headlines, we'll listen to locals' opinions and perspectives on our public libraries in this week's Vocal Village, and we'll close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Residents are assessing the damage after Tuesday's 6.4 magnitude earthquake on California's north coast. Roman Battaglia from Jefferson Public Radio reports. Fire departments in Humboldt County have already been out surveying homes and businesses to find out the extent of the damage. Governor Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency on Tuesday to help with recovery efforts. Ryan Derby is overseeing recovery with the Humboldt County Office of Emergency Services. So many of the recovery efforts are uh, already underway, but it's the financial recovery and getting people into more long-term housing that could, could take some time. Derby says in the town of Rio Dell, most affected by the earthquake, at least 35 buildings have already been condemned. Recovery teams continue to work to restore infrastructure, including power and water. For the California Report, I'm Roma Battaglia. Some good news in the recovery process. PG&E says it's restored power to almost all of the 70,000 customers who have been in the dark since the earthquake hit. And in the town of Rio Del, which was the hardest hit in the quake, water services have been restored for about 20 percent of residents. Tonight is the fifth night of Hanukkah. All over the world, for many centuries, Jewish people have marked the holiday by eating foods fried in oil. In a city as diverse as Los Angeles, Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah with fried foods hailing from Europe, Asia, and Africa. Uh, We are frying Sufganyot, which are jelly donuts that uh, are traditional for Hanukkah. My name is Doug Weinstein. I'm the owner of Diamond Bakery on Fairfax. I'm the uh, current steward of the legacy. So the Sufganyot means sponge, and so it does absorb some of the oil because the mitzvah is to have oil to um, honor the, the, uh, the miracle of the oil lasting eight days instead of just one. And so we take, it's a, it's, um, a slightly richer um, formula than a regular uh, raised donut. Uh, and then we fill those with uh, raspberry jam, we fill them with lemon, with, with vanilla custard and chocolate custard. Um, smelling like oil until Valentine's Day isn't my favorite thing, but, uh, you know, the... The joy it brings other people, uh, fulfilling on the tradition, you know, um, that's, that's what keeps me going. This is Richard from Baba Saleh Synagogue right here in Fairfax in Los Angeles. Most of uh, the, the people from that, uh, this uh, community is uh, from uh, North Africa and probably 80% of them are from Morocco. We have the, what's called Svange and it's a Moroccan uh, kind of uh, donut. It's uh, cooked in oil, it's pretty heavy, you know, but it's so delicious and we eat it with uh, either uh, jam or with the sugar. 
and uh, the sugar is put on the top, it's not inside. So it's nothing like uh, the sukaniya that uh, we have here. This fan jar is very particular to, uh, to Hanukkah and everybody loves it and they eat it with, uh, with tea and it's really, really delicious. My name is Elizabeth Heitner and I grew up in New York City as an Ashkenazi Jew. The two main foods that we're making for Hanukkah this year are sufgan yotz, which we fill with guava jam and a mascarpone filling. And the other one is our sunchok ladka, which we serve with a mole amarillo, crema, and fresh apples. Do you want to kind of talk about guavas? Yeah, so uh, guavas are pretty significant in my household. Hi, my name's Nestor Silva. I'm a native Angelino. My mom is from uh, Mexico and my dad's from Argentina. Um, we've always had a guava tree. Uh, it doesn't, didn't matter where we lived. For some reason, the guava tree always followed us. Uh, so I have distinct memories of my mom uh, making like guava jam. Whenever I make the guava jam now and you come home from work, you're like, wow, it smells like my childhood in here. And I always think that's so sweet. <laughs> I, I almost like think I'm going to catch my mom behind the stove making this <laughs> jam. You know, We've had a lot of like Jewish people that grew up in Mexico City approach us and tell us like how special the, their meal was. Um, and this idea of just like connecting with people and... Um, feeding them from the heart has always been really important to us. So, you want to know what I make, basically, for Hanukkah? Uh, with the potatoes and eggs, I either try to make uh, little balls out of them and fry them, because my kids love it that way, or flatten them and make little round ones, just like latkes. My name is Lobat Abrams. So I am uh, uh, moved to the United States when I was 11 from a Jewish family. In Iran, it was a little different. It's not like here where every corner there's a temple and there's a kosher shop. We were absolutely a minority. So Americans, I think you, they do applesauce, right? I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> So I try to do my own little spin of my Persian cooking. So there is no applesauce on the table unless my American son-in-law requests it. Hanukkah, especially, is such a beautiful holiday of perseverance and strength and coming together as a community. That story was produced by KCRW's Robin Estrin. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. 
And that's the California Report for Thursday, December 22nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. Waste Management announced today in a release that the McCourtney Road Transfer Station is adjusting its holiday hours and will be closing at 1 p.m. on Saturday, December 24th. The facility will also be closed on Sunday, December 25th and Sunday, January 1st, 2023. Waste Management curbside collections will not be affected by these holiday hours and will continue as normal. The Sacramento Bee is reporting that Del Campo High School and Will Rogers Middle School, campuses that are across the street from each other on Dewey Drive in Fair Oaks, were sheltered in place this morning as a precaution after school staff received a suspicious phone call. The shelter-in-place procedure lasted for nearly an hour, and a message posted on Del Campo High School's website at 12.12 p.m. instructed parents or guardians not to go to the school campus. It also noted that the students were asked to stay put to ensure everyone's safety. At 12.55 p.m., school officials announced that the shelter-in-place order had been lifted for both campuses, and students resumed their scheduled afternoon as the San Juan Unified School District finished its final day before the winter holiday break. That's all from the Sacramento Bee. Moving now to a brief look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. First, Grass Valley and Nevada City. Tonight, there's a 40% chance of showers, mainly before 4 a.m., patchy fog, otherwise cloudy with a low around 42, calm wind. On Friday, there'll be patchy dense fog before 11 a.m., otherwise cloudy through mid-morning, then gradual clearing, with a high near 56, calm wind. On Friday night, there'll be patchy fog, otherwise mostly clear with a low around 38. Next, for Truckee and Lake Tahoe. Tonight, there'll be a chance of rain before 2 a.m., then a chance of rain and snow, with a low around 30. On Friday, it'll be cloudy, then gradually become mostly sunny, with a high near 43. On Friday night, it'll be partly cloudy, with a low around 24, and calm wind. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight there'll be a slight chance of showers between midnight and 2 a.m., patchy fog after 7 p.m., otherwise mostly cloudy, with a low around 44. On Friday, there'll be patchy dense fog before 10 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy, then gradually become sunny, with a high near 58. On Friday night, there'll be patchy fog before 10 p.m., and then patchy fog again after 1 a.m., otherwise partly cloudy, with a low around 43. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Libraries are special. They serve as the cornerstone of literary accessibility. After visiting Barnes & Noble enough times, libraries can appear as prodigious blessings. After all, They offer many of the same stories, but in exchange for only your timeliness and responsibility, in contrast to carnivorous bites of your paycheck. It's a concept so alien in the modern Western ecosystem of marketing, advertising, and pushing as hard as possible with all of one's might for the successful sale of a product. And yet, America's demand for libraries can sometimes appear to be in decline. But if you're a library lover, don't fear. It's not always a concrete assessment because many libraries across the country are adapting to a digital atmosphere with online collections spanning larger than any physical building could possibly hold. This week, I wanted to learn a bit more about Nevada County's relationship with the concept of the public library. 
how likely is any passing person to uphold an active membership with any of our local libraries? How many of those active members actually visit the library itself? And how many are only registered for the benefit of a digital book collection? And within the comfort of a judgment-free zone, how many citizens will tell me honestly about the details of their overdue books? Well, in an effort to have some of these questions answered, I set out to the streets of Grass Valley, Nevada City, and Penn Valley. I found willing participants in each of these places, and I prompted them by asking, when is the last time that you borrowed a book from the public library? First, we have this response from Maya in downtown Grass Valley. Um, when is the last time that you borrowed a book from the public library? A while ago. A while ago? Why yeah. is that? Um, I usually buy secondhand books. And that's what I read. I have a, a vision problem, so I'm not reading as much. But I would say at least um, two years ago. Next, we have these two responses from Allie and Natalie from outside Pine Street Burger in Grass Valley. When's the last time that you borrowed a book from the public library? Um, I probably when I was a kid, like um, I guess 13, 14. And why is that? Um, just I just stopped going to the library after that. Like it's just harder to like go there and like pick up a book. I didn't like drive at that time, so yeah. Well, um, actually, I recently was cleaning out my son's um, toys and stuff like that, organizing the room, and I found a book um, that was property of the library, and it was seven years overdue. So if that tells you something, it's been a while. Um, I did go recently to return the book. Um, I think that libraries are awesome, but I just don't really have the time to go. And um, yeah, I should, I should go more often because I think now you can actually get DVDs and stuff like that too. So yeah, that was the last time though. Recently, just to return the book, but seven years prior. And now this response from an anonymous voice at Grass Valley Smoke and Vape. I think it's been probably over 20 years for me. And why is that? Internet. Internet's taken over libraries. I mean, since the fact that we have cell phones in our pockets, we have the internet at our fingertips. We have everything we need pretty much. We can find it online. Although checking out a book does help because you get more direct information. I think, yeah, for me personally, it's been about 20 years for my son. Taking him to the library, I'd say about eight or ten years since I've taken him to the library as well to do any kind of research. Next, we have this response from an anonymous voice in Nevada City. I think that was like ten years ago. Why is that? Why did I buy it or why, borrow it? Why has it been ten years? Because um, it was just for school studying purposes. And so. so you wouldn't normally go like on a regular basis? No. Okay. No. Finally, we have this response from Kurt in Penn Valley. Probably in the late 70s, I, uh, mid to late 70s, I would say. Why, why is that? Well, I was still in school. Um, I was still in high school, and um, I needed to do some research and didn't really have the access to any other sources besides the library. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that I haven't been to the library and since then, probably. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that uh, our libraries are becoming almost extinct. Uh, I think they're a wonderful place for uh, research and 
you know, the arts. I just don't know. I, I don't know how long they're going to be able to exist. Um, you know, with the internet and everything, if you do need information, it's right there at your fingertips. I'm not sure that. I don't know that I would ever have the need to go back to a library. You know, after after school, um, I I just really didn't have the need to go back anymore. Uh, you can, you know, buy books readily and get information on the internet I, I just don't know if they're gonna i hope that they continue to survive i think it's a um an important part of our society uh to hold those archives and records especially in some of the uh, finer libraries that have um, you know archives and and uh, you know some real dated documents but um i don't know as I end this segment, I'd like to state that the opinions you've heard here today are that of the speakers only and are not those of KVMR, its board, staff, volunteers, or underwriters. And now, an essay by Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet When I was in my 20s, I spent a lot of time with two older women. Maybe I should just say old women. We sidle and sachet around age in this culture, hoping it won't notice us. Let's quit that for the moment. My paternal grandmother was one, born in 1906 in Nova Scotia, to wealthy Bostonians who summered up there. My friend Margaret was the other, born in 1900 in a tiny town that bore her last name on one of the Lofoten Islands, above the Arctic Circle in Norway. Utterstad, which starts with a Y and means outer city in English. I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Margaret across the river in Boston in subsidized housing, and my grandmother Johnny two hours away on Cape Cod in a house she had designed herself. My favorite thing about that house was how you could stack firewood in her garage next to a little door about shoulder height, and then in winter open the door and load the wood into a cubby right next to her fireplace. The efficiency combined with cuteness made me so happy. The nicest thing about Margaret's sixth-floor one-bedroom was the view over South Boston, where she had lived for years in a brick house with her beloved bricklayer husband, Arne. Both dwellings were full of light. I wasn't doing what we now call caregiving. I was being a friend to these widows and picking up a little slack as we all got older. Firewood and occasional manure fetching from a nearby turkey farm for my grandmother's garden. Balancing Margaret's checkbook and mailing her bills. I'm trying to gracefully steer this around to what it's like for me to grow old, how much I looked like both these women, and today being the solstice, but it isn't working very well. Today is indeed the winter solstice, a pause in the planet's tilt on its axis, a place to exhale, maybe take stock of darkness and light, of balance, of constancy and repetition. On Lofoten, the sun doesn't rise at all for a month, Margaret milked cows and walked to school in the polar dark. I lived far south the winter I spent in Norway. The sun rose at 11 a.m. and set at 2, carving a low arc across the sky, sunrise leading directly into sunset. 
It was beautiful, but I almost died of sadness. Humans have native landscapes, and coastal California will never prepare you for high-latitude Norwegian plateaus. I looked so much like Margaret that her boyfriend mistook an old photo of her for a new one of me. I looked so much like my grandmother that her longtime friends who didn't know me audibly gasped as I entered a room. The other day I couldn't open a jar. I did the usual, banged it on the counter, ran the lid under warm water. Nope. And I've always been strong of hand and arm. It was shocking to fail. I wonder who'll be around to help when small things get harder to do. And I thought of my younger self, so glad to see Johnny and Margaret, and also so glad to go home again, where I could walk fast down a sidewalk, flirt with the mailman, and imagine who I might be when I grew up. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Thursday, December 22nd. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and the law offices of Christopher Dort, handling insurance disputes and insurance litigation in state and federal courts for more than 20 years, with offices located in Nevada County. Information is available at dortlaw.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a good night and happy holidays.